This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar Always, and we'll talk about local and national sports and pop culture coming to you with episode number 55. We've gone into the mid-50s, we're going into the 60s soon. And as always, because of COVID pushing the start back of leagues, postponing leagues till they were played later, with the NBA and NHL played in a bubble, baseball, WNBA played in a bubble, baseball played their season, Football's currently their season going on, and right now in this lull period, where it's the baseball, basketball, and hockey off seasons. Normally, there would be base, there would be baseball through the middle of November, but it has been on a couple of weeks, and there would be basketball and hockey starting up at this time. But because of the bubble and, and COVID things being pushed back, there's currently no games. All it is is going to be free agency and the draft soon, and in baseball, the same thing with free agency. Now the NBA is saying specifically they're going to have a 72-game season. On December 22nd and the whole Christmas Day bonanza of games. They said their goal is to have 25 to 50% capacity, but the people would be in the suites. The question is, is that the rich, elite people, or is it the everyday fan getting an opportunity to go to the game? That's what I'm focusing on. I don't care if the season starts in December, January, or February, how many games it gets. I know they're trying to fit it in so it doesn't affect the Olympics. That's good all and dandy. Just work out all the details you need to know that to avoid COVID outbreaks, all these other things. Just get everything focused so you can have a game. Worry about people coming to the game secondary. Make sure that the players and the coaching staff and everybody involved are healthy. Now, Cody Bellinger in baseball news is going to be an Assassin's Creed. Now, that's interesting. The Fortniteers have been bad with the with the COVID. Losing Debo Samuel... Losing Brandon Ayuk, offensive lineman Trent Williams, and now Kendrick Bourne, all be you know all to COVID. That's how they were. That's how they lost the, to the Packers last week because they were mostly have a COVID. Hopefully everybody gets better. Patriots signed Dante Moncrief as they need a wide receiver. Texans and the Bears also last week they shut down their things due to COVID as well. And then Francisco Lindor in baseball has been announced that he's on the trade block. The usual suspects, Boston, New York, L.A., the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, and the Los Angeles Dodgers to give you three teams. And we'll throw in the Cardinals, who are a competitive team, and we'll throw in maybe Minnesota, and we'll throw in St. Louis, and you can also throw in the Washington Nationals and the Braves. Pretty much, for the most part, the good teams in baseball have a shortstop. The A's, who made the playoffs this year and won their division, their shortstop, like the Angels, also a big-time market in Los Angeles, their shortstops are free agents. Now, I don't know many teams that will trade for Francisco Lindor when he's one year away from free agency when they can just sign him as a free agent next year and he's not going to be that old. That's my that's my take on that. Interesting baseball news, though. Former Major League pitcher Jason Marquis wants to pitch for the next time World Baseball Classic happens because all that stuff got postponed for years because well, for a couple of years because of COVID, even though he's in his 40s, that's dedication, that's, you know, showing pride in being Jewish and wanting to help Team Israel. I wish more Major League players would would play for Team Israel that have Jewish ties because that would make the team much better than a lot of the other teams, but that's another story. And then the Dolphins just lost Miles Gasts in the injured reserve list for a knee. That's not good. Rest in peace to Baron Woolman and Rolling Stones photographer. He's famous, taking all the famous photos of all the rock and roll stars. Now, interesting news to the hockey news. The Maple Leafs have signed Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. Signing Joe Thornton, who's definitely on his way to being a Hall of Famer, that's the type of move you take to move further along in the playoffs. That's why I singled it out as one hockey move that was interesting so far. 
Rest in peace to Elsa Raven, who was in Back to the Future as the Clock Tower Lady, and in the Titanic, she passed away at 91 years old. Rest in peace to her. Positive news, though, during this cru- uh, crushing time, is that form- is Major League outfielder first baseman Trey Mancy the Oriole started taking swings in the batting cage as he is hopefully out of stage three cancer in terms of he's done all the medication and all the chemo and he's in the next step that he's preparing himself for next season. Baltimore is a crummy baseball team. They can't pitch whatsoever. They don't play great defense. They don't have that many great major league actual players. So it really was noticeable last year that their best player was gone. With him back, they may be a little bit more respectable, but glad to hear the news about Trey Mancini finally getting back to being played baseball. Uh, it's encouraging that he's doing well there. Now, the Raiders were fined 500000 Gruden was fined 15000 and they lost a sixth-round pick due to COVID, and the Steelers also been fined. Man, just wear your mask, coaches, players. Wear your mask. Do them better. You really want this continue to spread? They're shutting down certain thing, uh, you know, restaurants and abilities for people to go out and do things throughout the country, and there's spikes coming. I, I'm not a, a medical expert, but come on. You guys can at least stop, stop the spread in... Um, in football. Interesting story. Brandon Martin of the Rays, a former Rays prosecutor, excuse me, had three counts of first-degree murder of killing his father, his uncle, and an and innocent bystander using a bat, which is interesting because he's a baseball player. Yeah, so he is trying to assist at arrest. Uh, Otto, you know, Grand Theft Auto. He's uh, obstructing justice. And uh, and this is even worse. Yeah, he killed three people. Grant stealing cars. Doing all these things, attacking officers, things like that. But he injured a police dog. Come on, leave the dogs alone. So that's a good interesting the turn that another former major baseball player turned to violence, like the recent one. Okay, and in other baseball news, Alice Cora has been brought back by the Red Sox. So they fired him. They gave Ron Renneke the bench coach the interim tag during the season. Then they fired him, and some coaches said goodbye. Now they brought Alice Cora back. Now they're looking at Sam Foles, who works with the Phillies, and a couple other guys. But I really felt Alice Cora is a good people person with the manager skill. Players like him. They respect him. Yeah, he he was a coach on that team that cheated, and the Red Sox had their own scandal. But if the Boston Red Sox front office and ownership and the team itself really enjoy working with Alice Cora, who paid his dues before he became a major league manager, that's fine by me. The Red Sox, no matter who their manager is, they're not going to be good this year. The Rays are at the top of the top. The Yankees are good. The Blue Jays made the playoffs this year. So the Red Sox are really looking in as the fourth best team based on this shortened weird season. They don't have enough pitching. They don't have a good bullpen. And Bogart's endeavors are really good. But the right side of the infield is a question mark. Mookie Betts, as I said, was traded this year. So right field is not a great thing. Jackie Bradley Jr., the center fielder, is a free agent. And Andrew Benatini... Left is going to be his ability where he was injured, so he missed a lot of the year. So their strength of offense is not going to really help as well. And in Mets news, with Stephen Cohen officially buying the team, Brody Van Wagden and Omar Minaya, all these people making decisions are out. I'm glad he's out because when you're a Mets fan and you see them spend all this money taking out Robinson Cano's contract, signing Jed Lowry, taking out all these other major league contracts and signing players, and it's just like, Jay Lowry did absolutely nothing for the Mets. Cano was okay, has been okay for the Mets. Just some of these moves seem like I just want to hook up players who I used to be their agent. So it's to start fresh. Let Sandy Alderson as president hire baseball minds and net let them make decisions. Improve the Mets overall. I feel like the Mets do have their coach. 
Luis Rojas did a pretty good job this year with the team. They're not wearing a playoff team, but I like him going forward. Now the Dodgers, Justin Turner, who went on the field after testing positive for COVID, he was there was no punishment to him. But there were five members of the Dodgers and family members total between Dodgers employees and family members that did test positive for COVID. So it's really on them if they were okay with it. They got to deal with the consequences. Congratulations to Paul George of the Clippers. He is now engaged. Russell Wilson is trademarked let, let Russell Wilson cook, you know, Russ cook, because he wants to do kitchen stuff. Well, if he wants to make more money that way, that's good. And as I said, how about the NBA starting December 22nd? The NHL wants to start January 1st. That's good. That's interesting. They already said they're not going to have All-Star Game, which are classic, that sort of thing. Rest in peace to the bass player. Of Midnight Oil, Bones Hillman, passed away due to cancer. He was in a swinger. He was 62 years old. He was in the group since 1987. The lead singer of the group has a really gruff, rough, gruff voice. And he's got this really nice, beautiful voice. So it's really noticeable when you hear him singing and harmonizing. I got a great voice. He was and contributed too much to the success of Midnight Oil. And that for a guy from like New Zealand, he lived in Milwaukee. So he made a home in the United, in the United States. That's pretty interesting. Rest in peace to him. Matthew Stafford had was placed in the COVID list, but that was more because the people were around him. He came into co- contact with somebody he had, and he then was eligible to play, but then they took him out of the game. So, like, this not wasn't a good week for him. Now, Canelo Alvarez with a huge deal with DAZN Network is officially out of that contract, so that's an interesting boxing news. And NFL news as well, there have been cameras. They're looking into investigation of cameras in the Jets locker room in the smoke detector. That's interesting that they put cameras in there and somebody's looking into them. Are they filming other people or are they being filmed? And as before, we've said that Nashville is now the latest one. As I said before, we got Louisville, Kentucky, Kansas City, Newark, New Jersey, and Buffalo, New York have all been like, hey, 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 somebody even says Seattle. As somebody that wants a place to host the Raptors because of how strict Canada is on their COVID rules of quarantining and having a team come in and out. So Buffalo did it with the baseball team for the for the Blue Jays, and doing this Seattle makes no sense because they're on the West Coast and they're trying to limit the, probably the travel of the NBA teams. And Louisville and Kentucky are kind of somewhere in the middle of the country, so it kind of helps if they're in the middle if they're going east and west, and probably Buffalo and and uh, Newark would be good because then if somebody comes to town to play the Nets and the Knicks and the Wizards and the Celtics, they're that close to each other. That's a good idea if they're in Newark or Buffalo. But that's interesting as well. And then as Joe Biden was announced as the president-elect as of now, the Nationals have called him out to pitch the first pitch in the next opening day. That's interesting. Pete Carroll has signed an extension to stay in Seattle for a couple more years. And why wouldn't they? The team has been successful under him. And... um, Alex Trebek, rest in peace to him. The 80-year-old man who hosted Jeopardy was in stage 4 pancreatic cancer. So, you know, it wasn't like he was going to make a full recovery, especially his age. He did, you know, he hosted, you know, Wiz of Odds, Double Dare, High Rollers. He won 28 Emmys. I wasn't the guy who watched Jeopardy as a kid all the time, but I saw all the funny SNL sketches about it. Uh, him making cameos and other shows as well. That's the That was interesting. And um, just a legend, another legendary person we've lost this year. I'm, you know, so it's just not been a great year. So rest in peace to Alex Trebek. Drew Brees though has the most touchdowns now with 562, and Patrick Mahomes 
as if, is in 40 games with 100 touchdowns. Like that's pretty impressive to really quick to get 100 career touchdowns. And um, Lamar Jackson's win record of you know is ties the record of Dan Marino within the first 30 starts of being 25 and five. Congratulations to him. Alec Baldwin in television news decided he's happy that he no longer gets to play Donald Trump. That's just an interesting headline because he does a really good job at playing him. He just he's actually sad to no longer have that ability and how much income he gets. Not sure about that. A GM of the former Astros GM Jeff Lunau is suing the Astros for breach of contract because he still claims he did not know that they were cheating. Well, if you, d- you didn't think they were cheating, that's good and, uh, and good and dandy for you as well. That if, if somebody really believes you can win that as well. Mike Tomlin now has zero coaching losing seasons every year he's coached. That's an interesting stat. Mike Golick, who lost his radio show as a college analyst, now for games, he's going to host a college football game fan show called co- like a fan exam. Congratulations to him getting more things as well. Bills fans have donated more than 100000 to the Children's Hospital in honor of Josh Allen's grandma who passed away this weekend. That's good to see that people who are, even in tough times like this, donating money to a hospital for a cause for professional athletes who lost somebody. Big Ben and three others have been placed on the COVID list. Hopefully they all get better, and maybe and hopefully Big Ben will be able to play on Sunday for the Steelers. Vlatan, the big-time soccer star, is going to get a movie in 2021. Hope that goes well for him. Now, we did lose another, another legend in sports. Tommy Heinsohn passed away at 86. Former Celtics player, was an eight-time champion, six-time All-Star, four-time All-Second team. He won Rookie of the Year. He was a two-time champion as head coach. He won Coach of the Year four times. It was an All-Star game head coach a bunch. He did color commentary and play-by-play for a bunch of years. So he was there when they were good as a player. Then he coached them in two championships as a coach. Then he was a broadcaster through all the other success. That's it, it, He's like there from beginning to end of all their basic success. We've lost a legend in, in sports. Rest in peace to Tommy Heinsohn. Rest in peace to comedy legend Norm Crosby, who would appear on the Ed Sullivan Show, Johnny Carson all the time. He's 93. He was in Adam 12, uh, Love Boat, and L.A. Law. Rest in peace to him. Mac Williamson is suing the Giants over where he got a concussion where he fell into the bullpen mounds. And like later on, they'd move the bullpen mounds to... I mean, out of play, like, you know, past the outfield. And he feels like if they weren't in play and he didn't trip over and bang his head on there, then his career would have been ruined because he all this, he was a big-time prospect with power. He did play overseas, so it's just another disgruntled person suing somebody as well. And um, Johnny Depp is out as playing his character in Fantastic Beasts. So the rumor that everybody has now is that Mads Mickelson is going to play him in a in a movie. It, it take him out in the role. That's interesting as well. And um, I know all the stuff going on with Amber Heard is not my business, but that's interesting. In baseball awards, they named Don Manley Kevin Cash of the Year. Some of you would not agree with Kevin Cash based on what he did in the playoffs, but it's about what he did in the regular season. The Rays were really, really impressive how he handled the bullpen and the rotation for the most part in the lineup. So that... That, that's totally fine. Don Manley did deserve it. Uh, former NFL cornerback Akeem Tlaib will debut the Fox broadcaster on Sunday. Congratulations to him. Another interesting television news, Wentworth Miller, who we all know is a famous for Prison Break, Legends of Tomorrow, and a scattered movie career, said he's done with Prison Break, obviously. He doesn't want to do any TV shows or movies. But he also made another interesting headline, is I do not want to play straight characters anymore. There's plenty of actors you can. There are plenty of movies where it is. 
hey, if that's his prerogative that he wants to uh, play only gay characters, that's that's fine as as well with me. I don't have a preference. He's a good actor no matter what role he's playing. And um, another COVID positive test is Breaker 19. Says was on the COVID-19 protocol list, and they were on a bye. So that's a little bit up in air if he's going to play, but hopefully he gets better because the Browns actually have been very, very, very good this year. So for everybody who's got that COVID uh, and being on the COVID list, you all hope they all get better, and there's not, not issues there. And Chris McCaffrey, though, is expected not to play Sunday due to right shoulder injury. So everybody just got him back in fantasy. Like, yay, we got this beast in fantasy. Yay, he's not coming back for another week. Thunders, though, named Mark Dang Nolt as their a new head coach as Billy Donovan and the them part of the ways to set the playoffs. He uh, he he worked with he's been in the organization since 2014. That is one of the reasons they decided why don't we just coach from within because he's he was on the coaching staff for a while, but he's been five seasons head coach of the Blue. You know. You know, and you know, before in the G League, as he won G League of the Month award tw- before. So, for a guy who coached in the G League and been on coaching staff in his organization for a while, was on Billy Donovan's staff. It's uh, they're just thinking, you know what? Ninety percent of our team is young, outside of obviously Stephen Adams and Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, but for the most part. Let's just promote from within because we're we're a pretty young team with Shea Gillis Alexander and of all all the other young talent they have on this team specifically. So might as well. Tim Duncan though is announced he's stepping away as for assistant. He did it one year and he filled in as the interim head coach for one game. It was one and zero. That's interesting as well. Now a little bit of rant time here for a bit. They announced the Gold Glove winners, and I have no problem with Anthony Rizzo winning a Gold Glove again, or Foley winning it because he won a Cole before. He's pretty good at that. I have no problem with Evan White winning it because he's a pretty good defensive player overall first base, but my question was, why isn't Matt Olsen, who's clearly the best defensive first baseman in all of baseball, pretty much basically, you could say at least in the American League, that's the surprise. It's not like a, oh my gosh, surprise. like, okay, Cesar Hernandez won it. I was just rooting as a Sox fan that Danny Mendick won it or a Chicago named Ricky Lopez won it. But hey, Cesar Hernandez winning it, I got no real problem there. Colton Wong winning it, who won it before, not a big deal. I thought maybe Adam Frazier would have won it this year. Not a big deal there. J.P. Crawford won it, that's fine. Simmons was injured. The Lindor wasn't even a nominee. The other guys on this list, I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, I am not going with a backup or a guy who's not good defensively. And Bias finally deserved to win it. So, sorry to anybody else who was nominated, but Bias finally got the hardware that he deserved. And third base, I thought it was Giovanni Urshela's gold glove to lose the shoe with Matt Chapman missing time. It was nice they nominated Yohan Mankata, who had a bad year offensively, but they gave it to Isaiah Kanafalefa, who played games at shortstop, second base, first base, DH, and third base. He played all over the place. He's a career catcher. I really am going to go, yeah, that guy's a gold glover. So that's the real biggest issue. Nolan Rado winning it. He's the best of the best. Alex Gordon winning it. He's the best of the best. I'm a little confused why they gave it to Tyler O'Neill. Cardinals were excited for Tyler O'Neill to get a chance to play this year for his bat. It's his teammate Harrison Bader, like Colton Wong, and Adam Molina, where I'm like, yeah, and Paul DeYoung, like they're, and even Paul Goldschmidt, really good defensive players. 
I did a little bit question on that one. They didn't give it to David Peralta or Shogo Akiyama, but that's another thing. And I'm glad they gave Luis Robert the gold glove, but I'm surprised they didn't give it to Loredana, who is clearly the best defensive center fielder in the American League. I feel like Byron Buxton and Jackie Bradley Jr. are close second, but that was a surprise, a good surprise. Trent Christian won it because, no offense, we all know Lacuna's miscast center field. We all know Bellinger's miscast in center field, that Trent Grisham obviously deserved it. And right field, I'm surprised that they didn't at least give it to Clint Frazier, Anthony Sander, who had a great breakout year. They gave it Joey Gallo. And I'm a huge Joey Gallo fan. And I know this, but he's not a center fielder, despite playing some games there the past couple of years. He is really a third base who the Rangers never gave a chance, nor the fact that the Rangers have a black hole at first base, besides from third base, really, because they gave it, that's why a catcher kind of left is playing there, that I thought maybe Joey Gallo would have. Maybe find a home at first base or DH. But even now he's won the gold glove. They're just going to keep him out there. And, of course, Mookie Betts winning it. He's really good. Sorry, Jason Hayward. It's just Mookie Betts had a hit of the year. McCann and Gradal. is nice to have two Sox catcher nominated. But I knew Roberto, Roberto Perez was going to win it. Tucker Barnard, he's won it before. So it wasn't a big shock that he won it. I just thought maybe Jacob Stallings would have won it. In the American League, Griffin Canning win it. Whoop-de-doo. There's not much of an issue of him and Max Fried. I'm not going to question back and forth. I'd pitch your gold glove. Silver Sluggers, though, Abreu deserved it. There was a year where he led the league in RBIs a, game, a previous time and didn't win it. Freeman had the best year as a National League MVP finalist. So of course, he's going to win the Silver Slugger. LeMayu had the best year for second baseman offensively. That made sense. The Donovan Solano one was because there weren't that many games, and at the same game seat, if you play like 30 to 40 games, you could be eligible in this sort of rule. And I'm just like, he's the backup. Wilmer Flores is really the starter. I would probably give it to Robinson Cano or Ozzy Albies, but that would have been me. And Tim Anderson won it because, of course, he's the best offensive year for a shortstop in the American League, and so did Tati. No questions there. Ramirez, no question there. If Chapman missed the year. And no question Machado. He had MVP caliber season, so, of course, I'm going to give it to him. Catcher Salvador Perez probably should have won the gold glove in the American League or been nominated, but, hey, give him the silver slugger. And, you know, I'm not sad that Grindal didn't win any awards. There are no winning it upset me because... It's really JT Ramuto's, you know, award to lose every year because he is a great two-way catcher. So that's the thing I got wrong. I knew Trout was going to win it because there was another center fielder who's as good. And Tiasco Hernandez, who played center field and right field, had a breakout year. I would have probably given it to Santa there if it's only right guys who play right field, but that's another thing. And, of course, Eloy won it because clearly Eloy last year and this year is showing that he's a good player. He's one of the best in the league. Not defensively because he's not the best. But last year, they showed that he probably should have finished higher than fourth place in Rookie of the Year, probably second if he wasn't going to win it, win it, and that he's really good. And Juan Soto, despite missing time due to injury and COVID, had an amazing year offensively in all the categories, so there's no question there. Mookie Betts, great year all around. Ronald Acuna, because he played all around the outfield, but mostly center field this year, had great offensive numbers. So, of course, he's going to win. Silver Slugger. The DH spot, Nelson Cruz winning it and Marcelo Zuno winning it. I, you know, I don't got no problem with it because the both of them are the were premier DHs this year, and that's where I'm just like, you know, no issues there. That's who I predicted I thought would get it. And then here was the thing that really annoyed me was the Rookie of the Year award that Kyle Lewis, yeah, he won it. Whoop de doo, he had a good year. But to be unanimously the Rookie of the Year, and I'm looking at myself like, how's he unanimous? He wasn't the best rookie all season long. It was neck and neck this year. Because if you look at this, okay, let's. If you look at this clearly here, okay, 
if you look at this, 11 home runs for Kyle Lewis. How many home runs did Luis Robert have? 11. Okay, they had the same amount of home runs. But guess what? Luis Robert had 31 RBIs and Kyle Lewis had 28. That's four more. How many stolen bases? Five. Robert had more. He had nine stolen bases. The on-base percentage and the average are the only major indicator because their slugging percentage is 436, 437. That's pretty much around the same mark there. It's there. It's like apples and oranges of who you thought would have won Rookie of the Year. So that is where I'm just like, they were close in home. They, were, they had the same amount of home runs. Uh, uh, if Lewis Robert had more RBIs, more stolen bases, they pretty much have the same hit total, and they also pretty much have the same run total. The only real difference is that Kyle Lewis batting average and on base percentage is 30 points higher but they both were horrible when you bat under 300 that's not a great batting year okay so that's where I draw the line there saying it's unanimous if it, if, if it, Robert lost it by just slimmest of margins I've been like yay that's really cool that's fine it was a hard contested thing but again completely ignoring the fact how, how they were equally similar in all these statistics okay that's where I got the problem. Then actually giving to a relief pitcher who isn't the closer or a pitcher who isn't a starting pitcher and not give it to Alex Bohm, who had all of these um, statistics this year, the dude was pretty much, he had himself 23 RBIs. That's, that's pretty darn good. And he had 24 runs, and he had a 338 batting average and 54 hits, and he had 100 less at bats than both Robert and Kyle Lewis. That's pretty darn impressive. And if you want to say Jay Cronworth, maybe also because he had on he, he filled the black hole for the Padres second base and went on to help his team make the playoffs, that would have been fine by me. But if pitcher doesn't have a real career start or a career save, I don't know what they're doing. Now I do want to get to a couple quick things here. Is that Jim Gaffigan was announced as the voice of Johnny Thunderbolt in Stargirl. That's cool. He's going to be the voice. They're introducing another cool character. That is great. I also wanted to briefly touch on a couple of things here. I watched Superstore, and in Superstore is a show where it's a workplace comedy. So, of course, it's great to see how they're infiltrating how currently happening in the world of COVID. The show ended in Cliffhanger because Amy, the main character, America Ferreira, got a promotion to go work in California. She's dating the other main character, Ben Feldman, Jonah. And they're going to move and whatnot. So, of course, it, it shows different time places. March. And everyone's like, oh, no. Resorts are closed. NBA season. Other places are closing. Tom Hanks has COVID. Oh, no. Then they, the first thing they do, watch your hands for 20 seconds. Then they, And then the start of the job keeps being pushed back. They're like, we got to wear masks. And we can't have large group. And the joke is, a store like this have a large amount of people. Yeah, employees and customers all in here. Then they're heroes overdoing with it. You know, you can't, if you shop, you can't go to the cafe. They're running out of paper goods, hiding them. People are just hoarding them, fighting for them. Exactly what happened in the store. People are waiting outside in line to limit how many people. That's interesting. A character got COVID. They're told to wipe down every single item, which is physically impossible. One person is using the same mask. And then other people don't have their own protection. The company said we're donating the protection to people that need it, but not the employees. That is something that people have having, you know. They're trying to limit how many people take items. They're running out of the mask and clean supplies. And for the customers who are buying it, limiting returns. So they say, screw it. We're going to use our own products. So they take bandanas off bears. They use the booze to make, you know, sanitizer. 
They take gloves and the t-shirts and make masks and other equipment out of them. Shower curtains for, you know, people can't spit on them. Then someone sneezed on a character that overreacted. Amy's doing tons of Zoom calls. That's something that it's pretty much a lot of COVID stuff. The break room has now become the warehouse because it's spaced out. They were sent riding gear, not ma- not protection for COVID. Black Lives Matter signs they want to ha- hang up. There's a lady who, a white lady, will not put on her mask as a condition and won't leave the store. Those are all like real things happening. And you can see outside of people are throwing their masks and gloves all over the floor. Then a customer says, let's give them beer, you know, for all the work they do. They're hiding from all the crazy people like that. Like they really did a good job, Justin Spitzer and the crew, of really showing what it is to be in a supermarket store or restaurant, like a workplace comedy. They did a great job. Now they're eventually going to have her character leave. They're not sure what's going to go on, that sort of thing, that's spoil. But at least they can show you exactly how it is. This is us. It's a drama that takes place in the present, past, and future. So, of course, in the past and the future, you won't have this issue, but they show them wearing masks. Uh, the main character was going on a tr- one of the main characters at a trial for her memory loss issue. That was canceled. Even though they're related, they're social distancing with each other. They're dealing with all the, you know, protests and the racial injustice of George Floyd, how it affects some of the characters. They're wearing masks and they go to the hospital and go to medical places. They got to quarantine before they all can hang out in the cabin for the birthday. So they're just showing how masks, quarantining, racial injustice, social distancing, all these things are affecting them and how they just throw little sprinkles of it into the show. So it's good, good job by This Is Us and The Good Doctor. You know, people are just sneezing in public. You know, people are showing symptoms, but they're not really the most. They're, you know, have different floors for people who have COVID, who have don't. They're all wearing gloves and masks as it progresses and then hazmat suits and people's, you know, are developing different things. They're not sure what it is. You know, there's a PSA of it's to your job, stop the spread, real heroes. They're the real heroes, not them. So they put this PSA at the front saying, stop. These are fake people doing their job. But we got to stop the real spread by making sure we do this, this and that. They're the real heroes of, in real life, not the people on TV. They had the main character girlfriend not live with him after they decided to put him together, even though they shouldn't be, which is another plot story. And the doc, Dr. Park, it moved in because he didn't really have his own place because he's got family in another state. So he's living with this Dr. Sean Murphy. That's an interesting dynamic. They got tents outside for tests. Dr. You know, Lynn is dealing with not having enough supplies and testing for people. You know, Dr. Glassman is hiding in his home. He's having issues with his wife because he doesn't want her to go to this, doing this, this, and that. He's on Zoom meetings all the time trying to figure things out. That's realistic. They show Harper Hill's character coming home from work, living in his garage where his wife has set up, you know, like clo- like a bed, his clothing, his meal, all the stuff for him as he comes home and he's got to live in his garage. You know, they show people dying, how a pregnant lady's dealing with, how family relatives can't even see their sick ones. There are checkpoints at different places in the hospital. So all these things is that they're trying to get updated with the medical stuff. And I have not watched Grey's Anatomy, Chicago MD, or any other medical shows or even procedural shows, cop shows like that. Because not all of them will come back, but I don't watch Grey's Anatomy or none of the Chicago shows or NCIS type of show. But when New Amsterdam finally comes back and The Resident, I'm going to see how they handle it. Because Good Doctor so far has done an interesting job in trying to handle it so far in the first episode back. Superstore did in the first episode back, and they're gonna, and they've continued that because it's not going away. And This Is Us has done it so far too in their two-hour premiere. So that's what I want to say to them. Good job on 
changing your philosophy and how you tell story planning because a good doctor and this is a both end of their season before COVID hit to prevent them from filming. Superstore, they missed one episode. Whoop-de-doo. Cliffhanger. It's a, oh, instead of her moving, you wait a couple more episodes and you tell everybody why she can't move. Oh, it's COVID, yada, yada, yada. It's the other show that if they take place in present time, no matter if they're procedurals or sitcoms, how are they going to handle it? Are they going to let people know that the the next three to eight episodes, depending on how many you lost from the this previous season that was supposed to end in May, are they going to be just added to the total, or is it still going to be 22 or whatever you get? That's interesting. Now, I know as I, I'm going over the my usual half-hour time, but and you can find my stuff on On The Radar 4428 on Twitter, On The Radar Tame Blog on Facebook, On The Radar Media is my website, On The Radar on YouTube for my videos of all, two different kinds that you can find long-form articles on Blogger, Radar 4428. My podcast is on Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever you get your podcast on the radar. For every play I get money, I really appreciate it. The more people that listen to it, I maybe get more money from ads. And um, I'm about to do another album review this week, you know, another music album review. And I just did another TV show review on Next. It's going to be uploaded soon, and I will talk to you about that next time when I have more time. What I really want to get to is something very simple. Due to COVID... People are being let go of jobs. We know that. People are taking pay cuts. We know that as well. And um, one thing that I don't understand is is ESPN, who gives all these people millions of dollars and have television shows, radio shows, and they do columnists. They do all three. Do they really need to be on the air doing television, radio, or writing articles? I think being on once a day is enough for being in one medium is enough for them. They're making all that money. I feel like all the athletes who made millions of dollars from playing, I'm not picking on any, but I'm just saying like Jay, like uh, Jalen Rose. He does NBA and college basketball. He done Get Up. He does his Jalen Jacoby thing. You got Jay Williams and Keyshawn Johnson who's got this new radio show, but then Keyshawn and Jay do their sports analysis as well. I feel like maybe, maybe you should cut back on how many football, basketball analysts you have and not pay them all the money, and use that money that you you that you need to save by not firing the people who work in production and television and radio. They're not on front of the camera, in front of the microphone. They're doing all the behind-the-scenes work. No matter if it's production or booking guests or marketing or whatever, social media, it's also the people who are out there as journalists. They went to school to be a journalist, or the people who've done broadcasting on television and radio. Like, they're just regular Joe Schmo doing sports center updates on radio, doing this you know, research for the show, doing this, this, and that, that those people who you just laid off because ESPN just laid off about 300 more people, those are not the people you should lay off. You should, sorry to say these athletes, it's bad if you lose jobs, but you made plenty of money as a player. I don't need to pay you all this money to be an analyst. You can live pretty nicely without working for any of the major networks. You don't really need it. Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, you have a TV show. You don't also need a radio show. If you are already being paid to be a football or basketball analyst, you don't need a TV show. I'm not saying the third wheel on Keyshawn and Jay Williams should lose this job because he's a sports center anchor. He should continue doing that. That's what his job was. But I'm just thinking to myself, you're letting off, you're letting people go who are probably are not making nearly as much money as the athletes who are analysts. You're not making nearly as much money as the big time people on the networks who have a radio TV show and they do journalism too. Just limit to TV show or radio show. And you don't need to do all. Now, obviously, if you do all and you're being paid the same amount, no matter how many you do, that's one thing. But I just feel like for a person who's listening to Dan Levitar show for a year, you keep screwing this guy. You move his daytime talk show 
really early in the day where nobody's going to watch it. You cut back one hour because Greenberg has to start at noon Eastern. Instead of giving him one hour at the beginning, you got to give Keyshawn and Jay Williams four hours when nobody needs more than two hours maybe on the radio. Three is a minimum of four is way too much. Three is like max. So they over the weekend, they announced that they were letting go of people. They let go of Chris Cody, whose father is the famous Miami journalist reporter, Greg Cody. I'm not saying it was nepotism, but Dan, what Dan has done is when he started his radio show, when it wasn't a big-time ESPN thing being simulcast, being a podcast, he took young people like Mike Ryan, Roy Bellamy, Chris Cody, Billy Gill, and they had somebody else on the show as well, and now it's Tony, and let them grow and become producers and get all the, and do the job that they're supposed to be. Now, because the fact that they're on Zoom and they're not in the studio doing all their usual jobs, that's different. You give them, you get, you give them a pay cut, but the fact that they fired Chris Cody, who was like lovable, the nice, one of the nicest people on the show, who's never seemed like in a bad mood, it's the that, firing one of the people on Dan's show without telling him. That's another bad thing to do. So I don't understand it. ESPN, Dan Levitar's show with Stu Gatz is your number one sports talk show, radio show, podcast, all of this stuff. And now that you officially moved it to ESPN Plus for people to watch. So it's no longer on regular television to record. That is that, that affects me. It's part of my routine. But it's also part of my routine to see Chris to listen or hear Chris Cody every day. And I just don't think it's right that you fired all these people who are need this money and they're doing one or specific job like behind the scenes. You're not gonna know. Chris Cody, you know. But then you look at all the multi million dollar athletes you're paying, and look at all the People who are on television, radio, like enough is enough. You don't need to be paying Stephen A. Smith and Mike Greenberg and Max Kellerman and Jalen Williams. All these people, all this money. You could cut their paychecks in like half and use that money to pay the people who are just, as I said, production people. They do all behind the scenes work. You don't know or they're just actual reporters. Like, yeah, like that's the thing. That's all I want to be, okay? I also want to just say again, rest in peace to Tommy Heinsohn, legendary Celtics player who passed away. Rest in peace to legendary television talk show host Alex Trebek. And rest in peace to Bone Silman of Midnight Oil. Not a huge Jeopardy fan, but I know the impact of Alex Trebek. Midnight Oil is one of my favorite musician groups of all time. Music group of all time. It's an impact. And, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, I know my basketball history. You can't tell a story of basketball without Tommy Heinsohn. Thank you for listening to another edition of On the Radar number 55. Thanks for letting me go off a bit here at the end as I wanted to get to how shows are handling COVID in the context of the show, and ESPN laying people off. Thanks for listening to On the Radar as we talk about local national sports. Episode number 55. See you guys next time.